Ron Hextall sure brings up the salary cap a lot for someone who clearly, clearly paid no attention to it this past summer. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Penguins have lost, yeah, I'm going to have to say it too, seven in a row following the three to two, edging by Seattle the other night at PPG Paints Arena on a late Brandon Tanev goal as if the rest of this didn't hurt enough already. I went out to Cranberry yesterday for practice just really honestly to take the team's temperature. I've got a full column about that experience up on DK Pittsburgh Sports this morning that I hope you'll take the time to read. There's a lot of detail in there, a lot of background uh, stuff that was shared with me. What I want to focus on with this particular episode is Hextall. And very specifically, and I mean hyper-specifically, whatever it was that he could have been thinking when he signed Kasperi Kapanen to that two-year, $6.4 million extension. Some of you who are subscribers to our website will know that Taylor Haas, our beat reporter, she reported back in the springtime that Kapanen could have been had for a fraction of this amount meaning that they weren't required to run him through an arbitration process. There was some kind of, I don't remember the details. She's really, really good at this stuff, and I'm really not. But he could have been had for way, 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 way less. And he, meaning Kapanen, had zero leverage, had a terrible year, became a healthy scratch at points late in the season. And really, other than finally having committed himself to skating forward in a straight line during the playoff series, and I mean throughout the playoff series against the Rangers, which he did, nothing nothing changed. He took some terrific shots on Igor Shesterkin. Really, really, really good hockey shots. Shesterkin made better saves, but he had no goals. And when you get into the playoffs, all that matters is the result. And yet this situation arose where Hextall had committed X number of dollars to the guys that he commendably kept. He kept Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Brian Rust, Ricard Raquel, uh, even Danton Heinen. It was way more than any of us thought was going to be possible. And it was almost like after he did all that, it was, wow, look at me. (laughs) <laughs> I've got I've got money to spare. And the Kapanen deal happened. And it 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 still to me defies belief and believe believe me when I say that I'd feel that way even if Kapanen had more than one goal through the first 12 games of this season. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. 
for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. If you want to give Kapanen the benefit of the doubt, and in turn, Hextall for having signed him to that ridiculous rate, and this requires a stretch, but you know, anytime you're having a discussion or a debate, it's fair to look at both sides. You could do so from the prism that Kapanen is your team's fastest skater. The last thing you wanted to do was to get slower when you already got an older lineup. You could do so from the prism that Kapanen is one of the world's great practice players. (laughs) He's really, really prolific in drills. Dude just finishes everything. You could also look at it from the standpoint of Kapanen having been a very good penalty killer when he was in Toronto, not used that way at all, or really not at all, last season by Mike Sullivan. But now he's getting some time there. But you you still you still run into the fact that it's Kapanen's contract. If you wanted to just circle one on the entire organizational roster, it's Kapanen's contract that prevents Hextall from moving players up and down to Wilkesbury, barring an injury. The reason that you've seen some movement already this season, including Drew O'Connor going back, by the way, yesterday, is that there have been injuries, injuries up front specifically. But it shouldn't require that. It shouldn't require that to say the very least. Because there are two negatives to that. One is that if someone like a Valtteri Pusinen or another guy down in uh, Wilkes-Barre starts performing really, really well, you literally can't bring them up because of the cap space, which is close to zero cents at the moment. The other thing that's, I think, a tremendously large negative in this situation, in this setting, is that guys in Pittsburgh think they're set. There's nothing anybody can do to them. If you're, not to keep picking on Capita, it's not like he's responsible for the seven-game losing streak or whatever. Please don't interpret this that way. There's lots of things going on. But if you're Brock McGinn, for example, you're not looking over your shoulder. You couldn't care less how anybody's doing in Wilkes-Barre. You have an NHL-only contract. You're set for the next couple of years, no matter, unconditionally. Uh, you're, you're just, you're comfortable. And when you see these guys on the bottom six, the third and fourth lines especially, and I've been focusing on them a lot, when you see them looking like they're just kind of killing time with their shifts as opposed to trying to change momentum or achieving a change in momentum. There's a lot of different things that go into it, and that's one of them. I really believe that. I'm not going to get all hyperbolic here and call the cap an extension, you know, one of the worst contracts in franchise history or whatever, but it might be the most inexplicable in the very intentional wording sense there because I don't believe that it can be explained unless you had some crazy irrational hope that this player who has shown you and the Maple Leafs exactly what he is all of a sudden was going to morph into something different. It makes 
absolutely no sense. Didn't at the time, and it won't if Kapanen gets a hat trick Wednesday night in Washington. When we come back, J1Q. from Joe in Nebraska who says, DK, toward the end of Jim Rutherford's tenure, it seemed like there was a disconnect between the types of trades that JR was making and the types of players that Mike Sullivan wanted for his system. For example, the Ryan Reeves issue. Do you get the sense the same thing is happening now between Sullivan and Hextall? I don't. I don't. I realize that if I said that I do, it would kind of let Sullivan off the hook to an extent for some of these acquisitions, because you're not just talking about keeping Kapanen. Sullivan is determined. He has actually said this in public to show that he can be a better coach by finally maximizing all of the various natural skills that Kapanen has. He has taken that personally personally and that's really odd and in Sullivan's case without a precedent I don't remember another player that he said that about where he was just going to be so committed to show everyone else that they were wrong and that he's right so I don't doubt that Sullivan was part of this I also don't doubt that Hextall is the GM and that Brian Burke is the president of hockey operations and as such those were going to be the guys that would make a decision at that level. The part that gets curious for me is way more related to Josh Archibald. And I'm, again, not pinning a seven-game losing streak on any individual. Josh Archibald's actually been one of the few guys who's been even remotely productive on that bottom six. He has three goals through 11 games, didn't dress the other night, issue injury. He should be back by Wednesday. But If you're the Penguins and you're telling people and presumably telling each other that one of your priorities over the summer is to get harder to play against, to have a little bit more, not the old school sandpaper, but more along the lines of the possession type sandpaper, guys who are just rabid for the puck, who will do anything to get the puck, including blocking shots, including generating shots, winning it along the boards. Think of the very best versions, and don't laugh at this, of Dominic Simone, Zach Aston-Reese, and for that matter, Teddy Bluger, who's back at practice, and I can tell you from our little talk that we had yesterday, is very, very happy to be back at practice. He has been missed. All of these types have been missed. So why would you go and get an Archibald? What does he do for you in that regard? He's a decent PK guy. He'll pop double-digit goals. But that just gets you another McGinn. And what's McGinn doing for you? You know, you could say, oh, this guy can do the PK. This guy can do the PK. Okay, the PK is among the worst in the NHL right now because it doesn't have Brian Boyle anymore who was a big, big part of the success that that unit had last season. I just, some of these, some of these moves, you're right. They're 
incongruous with what's being spoken or to what your question is about what the head coach seems to want. However, I don't have an escape hatch here for Sullivan to share with you. I don't have any reason to believe that Hextall went and got Josh Archibald without talking to the head coach just to see how he'd fit or or maybe even in the other direction where Sullivan says, hey, we could use another guy on the fourth line who can get us 10 goals because we're tired of the guys like Aston Reese getting us only one or two. But none of that lines up with being harder to play against. And as a result, I think largely this team hasn't been hard to play against, not in any of the three zones. I appreciate the question. Lots more questions in the days to come as this team tries to work its way out of this. Well, if they're lucky, it's a slump. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.